Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. I always wish this uh, part of our service would be longer, uh, just the time just to talk and everything. I'll bring that up to the leadership. <laughs> but uh, thankful today. Um, I know this is the last um, day of this month, um, Halloween. And November and December are coming, and I'm, I'm always looking forward to the holidays. It's always uh, just a, a joy just to be able to enter into the holidays. As a Filipino, if you don't know, um, in Philippines, they actually celebrate the holidays beginning in September. Um, and so the malls will start having the Christmas decorations up uh, and, and all of that. So it's kind of fun. Uh, so about four years of Advent is what happens. I mean four years, four months of Advent. <laughs> Not four years, that's a little long. But I know for me, uh, being in the States ever since I was four, um, you know, I've always looked forward to the holidays. Um, even in October, you know, time comes around. Uh, my birthday is in November, and I'm like, as a kid, like looking forward to all of these days of celebration. But back in 2008, um, it was a very hard year for our family because uh, my father, um, you know, was in the last um, days of his life, and he passed away in October 8 um, of 2008. And three years later, my mom passed away also in October. Um, and so October now has become this kind of like really sad month for me. Um, every year I make a pilgrimage out to Rose Hills where my parents are buried. And, you know, in those different days I, I spend um, just mourning and grieving and just thinking about their love and just, you know, just uh, trying to recall as much memory as I can. And so something about October just feels now like really heavy for me. In fact, um, I was talking to my daughter um, this month, and, and she noticed I was a little off or maybe a, a little short, right, <laughs> with, with just my attitude. And, and then she reminded me, Dad, it, it's October. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, and it's been like really difficult um, trying to get sleep. For some reason, October is a month where I just start worrying about more things, Worrying about finances, worrying about my own health, worrying that I didn't get into that, you know, buying that crypto at the right time. <laughs> Things are skyrocketing. Um, and then to top it off, you know, you know, I've been having a hard time sleeping. Um, I get up in the middle of the night too much to use the restroom, and I end up not being able to fall back asleep. I try to sleep on the couch or a different couch, and I'm trying to get back to sleep, and so for the past few months, I've actually been um, trying to remind myself of Psalm 127, and so when Ryan said we were going to focus on the Psalms of Ascent, I asked them, can I do Psalm 127? And it's become a precious passage for me because it's helped me to recenter. And in this time like of like losing sleep, if you don't know, recently, about uh, three months ago, I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. And what that is, is, you know, it's a snoring issue where I, like, I literally stopped breathing. The, the sleep study showed I stopped breathing 14 times an hour throughout the night. And so that makes my body really tired, right, <laughs> throughout the day. And I'm... 
And so I was given the CPAP machine, and I was thinking, oh, thank God, I'm, you know, I got prescribed the CPAP, and I'm just going to be able to sleep better, and everything's just going to be solved. Well, I got the CPAP machine, and I had no idea that it would be so uncomfortable. I'm a light sleeper as it is, and so this thing just kept me from being able to move around, and I love to move around when I sleep. And so this machine didn't actually help me. It, it made me not sleep more. And, and so that's been kind of my journey, right, the past few months, and just um, having a hard time. And so... When I open to Psalm 127, it just reminds me um, um, and, and centers me. And so if we look at Psalm 127, it's a psalm attributed to Solomon. And he says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep. To those he loves. And I love that last part, right? He grants sleep to those he loves. And so when you think about Psalm 127, um, you know, it's attributed to Solomon, and you think about Solomon as a king just trying to, like, manage this kingdom of Israel. He's got a lot of problems on his hands. He's got a lot of concerns economically, socially, you know, um, health issues, whatever it might be that the kingdom is going through. If there's a person who can't sleep at night, it must be someone like Solomon. And yet he's able to write, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. And so he brings about pretty much the chief worries of life, right? It's the worry of shelter. Unless the Lord builds a house. He, he, he brings up the, the basic need for um, security. Unless the Lord watches over the city, you know, we, we stand and watch in vain. He brings up the issue of just being able to be nourished for food. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. You, you do all of these things in vain. You know, if you're worrying about them because I want to grant you sleep. And I know for those of you who are managers of your, you know, workplace or teachers and responsible for people or even leaders in this church or, or parents in your families, there's like a million things to worry about. And sometimes, you know, being a leader is a very thankless position because there's a lot of criticism and, and you're pouring your heart to try to help people and oftentimes it's not, you know, reciprocated. And so as we look at Psalm 127, I think, you know, in order to make sense of the psalm, we have to understand that this psalm is, is poetry, that words often allude to something else. And so if we look at verse 2, when it says he gives to his beloved in his sleep, that word beloved um, is actually the word yadid, and, and it means beloved of the Lord. And we, we find that word actually playing out in 2 Samuel 12, verse 24. You know, before Solomon was born, at the very beginning where we find that David comforted his wife Bathsheba. And he went to her and lay with her because they had just lost a child, right? And so David is comforting Bathsheba. She gives birth to a son, and Bathsheba and David name him Solomon. 
But then did you know that um, Solomon has another name? And it says in verse 25 that the Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah, which means the beloved of the Lord, Yadid. It comes from the word Yadid. It means basically the same thing. And so now we find out that Solomon's other name, Jedidiah, actually means this is the Lord's beloved. And so when you think about that in, in the context of Psalm 127, when, when Solomon writes, he gives to his beloved even in his sleep, Solomon is saying something about himself. He's saying, he grants me sleep. I am the beloved of the Lord. And so in 1 Kings 3.5, we find you know, just an amazing thing when Solomon is first um, anointed as king of Israel. It says in 1 Kings 3.5, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and said, Ask for whatever you want to give me to give you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. Then Solomon awoke and realized that it had been a dream. Now think about that. The most precious gift that God had ever given Solomon was in a dream. It was in his sleep. And so from, from a very personal experience, Solomon is able to reflect that the greatest thing God ever did for me was not when I was trying to work hard, not when I was planning and plotting or defending. It wasn't me working very hard. Solomon was able to say that the greatest gift that was ever given to me was in a dream. It was when I was asleep. And so we actually find this pattern, you know, in multiple parts of Scripture where God is providing for people in their sleep. You find it in the very beginning of creation, right? When, when Adam is, is sleeping and, and God takes a, a rib and, and brings, you know, Eve, <coughs> Eve into his life. We find that in the story of Abraham when Abraham himself is sleeping. And God appears to him and, and tells him that he will become a great nation. We find that in Genesis chapter 8 when Jacob is running away from Esau. He's fearing for his life. He's trying to get away and, and just, just trying to find protection. But it's in the sleep that he dreams of this vision of, of this, this, this um, ladder where angels ascending and descending. And so we find that God that Solomon is able to reflect and he's able to invite the readers of the psalm to pause and to meditate and to acknowledge that even though we have all these things we might be concerned about, that the first and foremost important thing that we ought to do is to redirect our minds to redirect our minds to this primary thought that we are the beloved of the Lord. And that word, beloved, is used multiple times in Scripture, Deuteronomy 33, 12. It says, let the beloved, again, Yadid, of the Lord, rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Think about that. 
Let the beloved of the Lord rest, rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Do you, do you see the picture that Deuteronomy is trying to tell us? Rest between his shoulders. It's the idea of being piggyback. The beloved of the Lord is, is the person who is able to piggyback on the Lord. I think about when my kids were little and, you know, whenever we'd be at Disneyland or some, some place and they'd get so tired, you know, I, I'd ride them piggyback and, and I'd take them, you know, for, 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 you know, kind of long distances and they'd wake up and they, they don't know what happened, you know, the past like 30 minutes or 45 minutes or so. But because I, I was their parent, I was able to piggyback and I was able to bring them to, pl to the place they needed to be. And, and it's a beautiful picture, I think, Deuteronomy paints for us. When, when I think about the human body, I think about how amazing this, this body is. That, that when, when we go to sleep, our body doesn't like completely fall asleep, right? It continues to work. Our, our heart is still pumping and sending oxygen throughout every cell of our body. You know, the blood is still, like, moving everywhere, and the antibodies are working to fight off infection. The digestive system is breaking down food and, and converting it into energy, and, and every single part of our body is, is still at work while we are sleeping. And that's such a beautiful reminder of, of that even though we sleep, God wired us somehow that our body still works to keep us alive. And that's what God does. God is able to say, hey, you know all those things you're worried about? You can go to sleep because I am watching over your life. You don't need to toil. You don't need to be you know, living your life in, in a worried place because I'm taking care of you. I'm providing for you. You know, back in uh, 2014, um, I was losing a lot of sleep. And the reason I was losing a lot of sleep was because I, um, at the church I was at, I gave this sermon that got me in, um, you know, a lot of trouble. I spoke about um, how the church needed to love LGBTQ people more and that we weren't doing a very good job. I spoke about how we shouldn't discriminate and that we should allow the church to be this inclusive space. And little did I know that um, a lot of people would walk away from me and my family. A lot of people left the church. Um, my best friends um, to this day haven't talked to me since. Um, and not only that, um, Leaders in the church uh, were no longer inviting me to speak. Um, authors that I loved, um, authors that I looked to as mentors, um, started writing negative things about me. And I remember um, different friends sending me all these posts, you know, on Facebook, um, showing me what was being written, and there was just a lot of, like, really nasty things that was... Um, just discrediting uh, everything about me, uh, my character, my reputation, my love for God, and, and just everything. And it became this, like, this very overwhelming time where I just didn't know, um, didn't know what was going on. 
And I remember there was, it came to a point where my wife, you know, was reading all this stuff too, and she asked me a simple question. And she said, Danny, are you going to say anything? Are you going to respond? And I remember looking at her and thinking, I'm not sure. Um, but I sense that this is not a good time to respond because my heart isn't right. And I remember there was this one uh, person who, like, hurt our family deeply. And I know, um, you know, he said some things, did some things that were just horrible. I mean, it was just plain out wrong. And, you know, there were times where I passed by his house and I would, like, in my heart, just, like, kind of curse what was happening because of my defensiveness, you know, towards my own family, especially towards my children. And, and I was having this growing anger, and I remember just every time I passed by his house, I would just like, my heart would just kind of fill, like, with, with some rage. And I remember listening on the news that there was this plane crash that, that kind of hit this house, and I was thinking, I wish that would happen to that house. And when that thought entered my mind, I remember thinking, dear God, what have I become? I don't want to be that person. And so God began to redirect my heart. And he reminded me what it means to love your enemy. He reminded me what it means to not toil, right? Trying to defend, trying to protect my reputation, trying to build this, this whatever kind of shelter away from all these things. And God was reminding me the way of Jesus is somehow to love your enemy. And so I remember practicing this thing where every time I passed by his house, I would pray a prayer of blessing. I would pray, God, would you help him? Would you help his family? Would you help him to flourish? And in those moments, God began to bring healing to a heart that was beginning to spiral. God was helping me to see that, Danny, it's not about trying to prove that you were right. It's not about trying to protect your reputation and your character, what I have called you to do is to love well. Because when you love, you will show yourself to be my disciple, to follow the ways of Jesus. And so I thought about Abby's question again, about if I was going to speak up, and I realized, you know what, there now is not the time to speak up. Because in the same time, people started, like, reaching out to me. You know, people in the LGBTQ community, other pastors who were trying to figure this out. There were so many, like, families saying, what does it mean to love my LGBTQ child? And, and I remember thinking, if I spend my time trying to protect my character and write and, and you know, and, and say something, make a comment about all these Facebook posts and everything... It's going to redirect my heart away from what, what I need to like be focused on. And so I made a choice. I made a choice to not say anything. 
but to remind myself of who I am. I am the beloved of the Lord. That is my identity. And when I can operate from that space, I'm able to move forward with generosity, with kindness. And so what Solomon is trying to tell us here is not that we ought to not be concerned about food, shelter, clothing, or, or any of the evils that are happening. He's not telling us to, to have a blind like eye towards those things and, and pretend none of that is happening. Solomon is merely saying that those shouldn't take primary thought in your life, but what must be primary, what must be central, is the knowledge of who you are. It's to be able to say to all those voices that is trying to define you, no, you cannot define me. Because I am who I am. I am the beloved of the Lord. And when I'm able to receive fully from that love, when I'm able to accept God's love, then and only then can I respond in the way Christ wants me to. And so you think about all the like, things we're going through, like in your life, in your work. You think about our own church. This church has gone through a lot, and sometimes we are like toiling. How do we like right this ship but but we'll go crazy if we're trying to just like try to save right and trying to do things without first centering ourselves on God because that's that's who we are and when we can remember that when we can center ourselves on that we'll realize that it's it's not by it's not like trying to like build a shelter or build a house or, or toil for food or trying to build a church, that's, that's not the first and foremost thing. But again, what God is reminding us and what Solomon does so well is that when we're able to say we are the beloved of the Lord, in the same way Solomon was visited by God in his sleep. God invites us to rest. God invites us to rest. And when we do that, he's able to, you know, go on in verse 3 of Psalm 127. As he's thinking about all the, the things that are happening. Solomon now is able to say, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their oppon opponents in court. Solomon is saying, you know what? Um, when you can redirect your heart, when at the very beginning of each day, remind yourself of who you are and receive of the Lord's love. It's going to enable you not to see your children as an encumbrance or as a distraction, but you're going to be able to see them as a blessing, as a heritage, as a reward. 
And this is just one example, right? Children, but it's so much more. You're going to see your coworkers. You're going to see people as people and not as an enemy. And when you begin to see people as people, you'll realize that they also have pain. They also have insecurities. And it's time we stop um, trying to one-up each other. And so I want to, in closing, ask you a series of questions. Is there something you are running away from? Is there a person that keeps coming to your mind that you've disappointed? That you're afraid to be confronted by because it's a reminder of your failures? Do you ever wish you could live someone else's life? If you said yes to any of these things, Psalm 127 invites you to pause, to redirect. To remember that you are infinitely valuable. That none of the things that you've done or failed to do defines you at your core. But at your core, you are the beloved of the Lord.